Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Advocating for Impact podcast, where every episode covers a policy issue impacting the practice of pharmacy. I'm Tom Kraus, ASHP's Vice President of Government Relations. With me today is Joanne Schulte-Wall, ASHP's Senior Director of Health and Regulatory Policy. As many of you know, Joanne is our go-to person for interactions with federal agencies, including the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Today, we're going to be talking about Medicaid's recent communication to states regarding the enrollment of PREP Act authorized providers, including pharmacists, in state Medicaid programs. Thanks for joining us today, Joanne. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. So, Joanne, just tell us exactly what is it that CMS did and, and what are the implications of that? Sure. So it's interesting because the way this kind of came about was um, rather roundabout. So there was a letter to um, states from CMS around Medicaid and CHIP coverage of standalone vaccine counseling. And this is something that we had actually been pushing since the start of the pandemic. And the idea is that if you're a provider who's offering a vaccine, you might go through the entire counseling process for a patient, which can be fairly time consuming, and then have someone who doesn't actually get a vaccine. And as it stands now, um, if you're a pharmacist, for instance, you don't get any sort of reimbursement for that time, even though it's time that you've lost out of your day. It's not that it's not beneficial to the patient, but it is, you know, if you're in a a scenario where you are kind of being monitored for your metrics provision and everything else and meeting metrics, it does put you in a, in a not great position. Um, So we had really pushed the idea of having some reimbursement for, for just the counseling part of the services in general. And so Medicaid and CHIP said, okay, well, we've, we've heard what you all have had to say, and we are going to start covering this standalone counseling. But the trick here, as it always is for pharmacists, is that pharmacists aren't necessarily immediately considered providers. Um, but as you get farther into this letter to the states, which was actually sent May 12th, 2022, but then wasn't kind of pushed out to the broader community until June, there is a, a piece of it that talks very specifically about the provider types that this should apply to. And one of the things that it says very clearly is that PrEP authorized providers should be allowed to enroll in Medicaid. And that is a sea change from how we've heard Medicaid kind of talk about um, pharmacists in the past. It says PrEP Act authorized, but for the most part, if you look back at the PrEP Act authorizations for vaccine coverage in particular, throughout the pandemic, they have been very, very pharmacist focused. So I think it's a pretty clear signal from Medicaid that they want pharmacists to enroll in Medicaid. And, you know, that is really very different stance than we've seen in the past. It does put Medicaid more in line with other commercial payers in a number of states that already cover pharmacist services. And this this should be kind of a, a push to move states that are thinking about including pharmacists as providers, but haven't quite gotten there over the line. Yeah, and, you know, they, they don't they don't say uh, sort of by name that states must enroll pharmacists, but as you're saying, the the language of the letter really does point to the examples of the, the roles that pharmacists are playing, uh, as described in the PREP Act, and it's 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 pretty clearly intending to include um, pharmacists, which I think is a great um, great advancement. Just for for folks' awareness, there's. It, this wasn't just a um, kind of loose decision from Medicaid. What what happened was uh, Congress actually said that 
certain services are required to be covered by Medicaid programs, and that included vaccines and vaccine administration, testing for COVID-19, and treatment for COVID-19. Those are all required Medicaid services. And so the, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid looked at that requirement and said, they, they looked at it um, in combination with a couple of other things. The PrEP Act, which as everyone knows, authorizes pharmacists to provide those very same services. And then a third statute, which says Medicaid patients basically get to choose uh, any willing provider. And so when you put those pieces together, well, if pharmacists are willing to provide the services, they are authorized to do so under the PrEP Act, and these are Medicaid mandatory covered services, then when you put those pieces together, then you, you must allow the, the, the patient to access those services from the, the, the pharmacist who is authorized uh, to provide that same service. Um, so that's a, that's a great... Um, a great step. Now, there is a potential point of confusion for states, however, and the reason for that is that while CMS in its letter to states said they need to enroll and reimburse pharmacists, a separate document from the agency says that those states that don't recognize pharmacists as providers could instead pay the pharmacy rather than the pharmacist for those services. ASHP is asking CMS to clarify this, particularly whether there's a need to enroll pharmacists in situations where they don't work directly for a pharmacy, like those that work in ambulatory care clinics. In that case, we believe Medicaid would need to enroll the pharmacist directly and pay them in order to comply with the law. Now, um, Jalan, this was specifically about vaccination, but vaccination is not the only service that pharmacists are authorized under the PrEP Act to provide, and it's not the only service that is a mandatory benefit under Medicaid. So, does this currently apply to reimbursement for testing and, and treatment? And if not, um, you know, what are we what are we doing to push that? I mean, I think it's hard to know because one of the ways that Medicaid works is that it offers a lot of guidance to states. It does it because it's a joint federal and state program. Sometimes the guidance takes the sort of amorphous tone. So like you noted earlier, it doesn't say pharmacist per se. It says PrEP authorized providers, and it's sort of talking around the issue at hand. You know, there is some benefit to being vague because it provides the agency more flexibility and it provides states more flexibility in terms of who they want to include in that sort of pot of PrEP authorized providers, although it is dictated by the statute. Um, you know, I think the to me, when I read it, it would this would mean that pharmacists could get reimbursed for those things as Medicaid enrolled providers. The, however, I will say this is not an automatic switch. So one of the things that's sort of rate limiting here is that for this to happen effectively, the state has to to actually put it on its own books. So even though it's being directed to sort of take this action to allow pharmacists to enroll, um, it has to proactively do that. It doesn't just happen automatically. And also it requires pharmacists, I think, to enroll as Medicaid providers. And that's an extra step on the pharmacist end once you get past the state hurdle of getting it adopted at the state level. So, you know, I think there are a lot of open questions about what this would apply to long term. What I do think it means is that you have a an opening, a very big opening of a type we haven't necessarily seen in the Medicaid context before to kind of push pharmacists forward to provide at least this, to get reimbursed for at least its vaccine counseling. But I think this would also probably 
expand to cover anything that's PrEP authorized. And I do think based on a lot of the discussion that's happening at the federal level, there is going to be a lot of support for maintaining the PrEP Act flexibilities around testing and vaccination and counseling after the pandemic ends. They haven't codified that yet. And we're still watching for the payment rules this year that would probably make some of those longer term changes. But at this point, the genie is kind of out of the bottle on this. I think CMS has seen a lot of benefit to having the ability to use pharmacists more broadly. And I, I don't think there's a whole lot of appetite for retrenching on that when the pandemic ends. Yeah, and just just so listeners know, you know, given that that there is that ambiguity that Jillian mentioned, uh, ASHP has asked the Medicaid program at CMS to write a similar letter clarifying whether pharmacists should be enrolled and reimbursed for providing uh, testing services and uh, treatment services that are both authorized under the PrEP Act and mandatory benefits under uh, the Medicaid program. So yeah, the the letter is a really great starting point for having these conversations with the administration around ensuring that pharmacists can really provide like the the biggest, broadest scope of of patient services going forward. But I'm curious on what your thoughts are on kind of the broader impact of something like Medicaid enrollment of pharmacists on provider status efforts at the federal level. I think it's really significant. I think there's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a bias maybe among um, some health system pharmacists who may not be involved in vaccination. I recognize that it's probably a minority of um, health system pharmacists that are involved in vaccination. So you might say, ah, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, no, actually, this is really significant because this is the first time that the that CMS is saying in all 50 states, pharmacists need to be reimbursed. Now, it's for a narrow set of services under the Medicaid program. It's not Medicare like we uh, have been pushing for for so long, but this is still significant. It's still CMS saying that every state has to reimburse pharmacists for a particular set of services. And it's not just it's not just providing the vaccine. It's also uh, vaccine counseling and, and counseling services that are separate from uh, the vaccine administration. So so I think that is significant. Um, I think it's significant because it's CMS saying it, which is great and a good argument to kind of further push Medicare. Obviously, it's it's impactful for those Medicaid beneficiaries who would benefit from the additional access of uh, getting these services from, from their pharmacist. But it also impacts the ability to expand provider status in states going forward. Um, if there is already a precedent for pharmacists being Medicaid providers, you know, that makes it much easier to expand Medicaid reimbursement for pharmacists for other services in the future. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're sitting in a state that doesn't has not uh, undertaken pharmacist provider status in the Medicaid program, this is a big opportunity for your state because now they are required to enroll pharmacists as providers even if it's just for a limited set of services. So when we think about advancing state laws to expand Medicaid provider status, one of the things that the state considers is, well, what are there, are there significant barriers? Are there significant costs to moving forward with provider status legislation under the Medicaid program? One of those costs is the cost of enrolling pharmacists as providers. 
But now that those states have an obligation to do that anyway, that cost is sort of, you know, it's sort of baked in. It's like we're by by getting some of that enrollment out of the way, creating that obligation for states to do that enrollment now, we take some of that friction out and, and there's less of a barrier to expanding other aspects of Medicaid provider status in the future. So I think it's I think it's really significant for that reason, in addition to just having a precedent of CMS saying affirmatively in every state, we expect that pharmacists are going to be providers of services to our beneficiaries. That's a great argument for us to kind of continue to push the conversation with with the Medicare program as well as the Medicaid programs. Yeah. And given that opening, what do you think, you know, our members should should be doing? What should pharmacists be doing to kind of maximize the impact of this announcement or kind of guidance from from CMS to the states and Medicaid? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think there's there's really two main things. Number one, state affiliates and uh, healthcare institutions should be making sure that that their state Medicaid programs are aware of this requirement. You know, it, it's it it CMS has communicated a bit, but it, that may not have kind of been uh, been seen by the state Medicaid programs. It may not have really sunk in that this is a whole new category of provider type um, in a given state. So. Uh, if you aren't seeing action from your state on this, we need to make the state Medicaid programs aware. So state affiliates should should, should be in, uh, communicating to the, the state Medicaid programs, institutions should. And then, of course, institutions and individual pharmacists should, should really be encouraged to attempt to enroll for, for Medicaid in their states. And let's see if we can kind of unearth any of those barriers that are there to, um, to enrolling. Uh, as Jillian mentioned, it is not automatic, right? It does take a lot of administrative effort and in some cases, legislative effort on the state side, even though there is this um, mandate from CMS. So I think it is a matter of attempting to enroll, getting as many pharmacists enrolled as we can and where we are hitting barriers, kind of make sure we're identifying those. Let's let's share some, you know, let ASHP know if you are encountering barriers to that in your state so that we can communicate with CMS, make sure that they are um, um, making states aware and so that we can kind of learn from each other and learn from the experience in other states about how to do this effectively. Um, because, because at the end of the day, this is a big step from the Medicare, Medicaid program. We want to see it be successful, but it's going to take some work for, for institutions and pharmacists to actually enroll. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is just going to be kind of a testament to the amount of work that goes into um, getting folks what they need and in the provider status context. It's never as simple as just a stroke of a pen from CMS, unfortunately. It seems like there's always kind of a longer process here, but I do think, you know, this is a new tone from CMS. And I do think there are, like you said, a lot of opportunities here um, if we're able to, to kind of seize them. Great. Well, thank you, Jillian, for educating us about this particular development. Uh, as we said, we're going to continue to work with CMS on making sure states know about uh, their obligation to enroll pharmacists as Medicaid providers, particularly for this, this these vaccination services, but also uh, trying to get some more clarity from, from uh, CMS around the need to enroll for other uh, COVID-related services. Uh, so thank you again, Jalan, um, and thanks to everyone for listening to this discussion.
Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.